0: Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alcline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alcline Trio song. And this week, it's Fine Without You. Oh, it's true. That's what I'll be here telling myself.
1: Oh yeah, I'll be fine without you. Mm-hmm. But David Anthony. Tim Crisp. As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio could never be fine without you. Or you. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great thing that we've got going here over on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. It's two friends, and they Mm -hmm. talk about the Alkaline Trio every week. They talk about one Alkaline Trio song. There's one guy who knows everything, and there's another guy who knows nothing. doesn't know as much but I prefer nothing for some reason it works.
0: You know, uh, they're just, you know, there's the classic odd couple pairings, the odd couple, you and me, uh, Barney and Wilma. Oh yeah. So odd. They weren't an actual couple, which is why I think it was such an odd pairing. Um, Yeah, you know, Wilma. Yeah. Where's Wilma? Anybody seen her? Got a baby elephant vacuum cleaner. Fred, Fred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Freddie got fingered good movie in in that. Like, it's not a good movie, but it's a good movie.
1: (laughs) I could go for a good, uh, road trip. Freddie got fingered back to back.
0: Yeah. You know, there's just something about movies of that ilk as bad in a lot of ways as they are like as films and as like, uh, societal messaging to young boys. Um, as bad as they are, I still really enjoy watching them. We did the, as I mentioned this before, we did the Harold and Kumar trilogy, which is very fun.
1: Oh, see, I watched the uh, first 20 minutes of, uh, American Pie with my Mm -hmm. partner who had never seen it before. And, uh, turns out there's a lot of bad messaging in that movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not shocking, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of movies that don't age well, don't hold up to scrutiny. Sometimes when you really put a thing from a long time ago under a microscope, it really, uh, you know, it doesn't just show how bad the thing is. It also shows how bad um, society was at that point in time. So let's put a song from 15 years ago under a microscope, why don't we? I... Let's definitely do that.
1: I'm definitely thinking about the uh, friendships that I have that are built around the American Pie franchise and the American Mm -hmm. Pie straight-to-DVD franchise, most especially. Mm -hmm. Mile, uh, Beta House, Terry, DJ Mudd, thinking of you, Boba. Um, Fine Without You is a song from the Alkaline Trio split with one-man army released by Better Youth Organization.
0: Byo, what, a, what an interesting release um to be fair that byo split series at the time was pretty sick there were some pretty killer releases on that
1: oh yeah uh oh, yeah. so was it um bouncing souls and anti-flag was right before and then hot water music and Leatherface. i think that's the 345 of the I series
0: th- i think so i'm v- I know there was a swing and Utters and somebody else I don't care about one. Um, oh boy, if would, there's swing have, and
1: Utters fans out there. I'm I'm sorry. I'm judging. <coughs> I think I'm judging them by their name and the time that they were making records.
0: So it's probably unfair. But I had to write a thing. Uh, I had to write a bio for them when they were putting out like a. I don't know if it was the Greatest Hits. It was some a few years ago. And it was like genuinely the first time I listened to him because I never had. And I was like, you know, this is not what I expected this band to be. Is it good? Um, They aren't as much of like the epithet, like boot tap, boot tap, boot tap, boot tap. And they're a little more like, just kind of like almost like stiff little fingers, like early working class punk vibe thing where I was like, Oh, okay. Like your name is not what it should be. (laughs) (laughs) That's, uh, you know, unfortunate. Um, but better band than I give him credit for. But I also, at the time, was just like, "Ugh, I'm not listening to this."
1: You know, I think that um, the epithet term is something that, for me, in my high school, you kind of had like. I think that the general consensus within my friend group was what my friend Nick termed as "junk rock," mm. and I think that. It's, in, it's been interesting, especially lately, listening to the Bringer of Greater Things episode of the Unscripted Moments podcast. Mm-hmm. A podcast about propaganda, which everybody out there should listen to. It's very, very good. It is so good. It's two teachers who have a podcast about propaganda. And it's cool. Like every week, they talk about one propaganda song, mm-hmm. and um, they stole it from
0: Blink One Fifty Five. And everyone's primary influence, yes, uh, which I think is now a Sum Forty One podcast. That's good. Yeah, that's a
1: good move.
0: I like it. I yeah, I'm supportive. We came in pretty hot on them, but I think that was a different time. There was a different time. We came in pretty hot. They came in pretty hot uh i think you know we took shots they're definitely the top of the heap so god bless them yeah we Um, should be taking shots at the top right that's how i always assumed the thing worked but regardless uh they're doing a some i think it's now a some 41 podcast because they finished all the blink 182 songs and you Mm -hmm. know what some 41's got some tracks, so good on them. Those will be fun to talk about, especially the songs allegedly ghost-ridden by Dude from No Warning and Fucked Up and yada, yada, yada. Um, fun
1: fact, one of my favorite records of this year for y'all to listen to, new music recommendation, uh, Printer's Devil by Chicago's Rap Boys. Uh, key influence on the sound of that record,
0: All Killer, No Filler. Mm-hmm respect. Anyway, back to the Propagandi podcast.
1: It's so good.
0: Very good. Um Bringer Greater Things is one of my all-time favorite Propagandi songs. Um Absolutely. they did not rate it as highly as I feel they should. Absolutely not. But uh one of the most moving episodes of a podcast that I've ever heard. Uh, mm-hmm. nothing but respect for those two. You know, maybe maybe sometime next week you might hear a familiar voice over there who is to say Uh, but they're doing a great thing and you should check it out if you like this podcast you'll probably like that but let's tie it back you brought up the epifat thing and and uh the the junk rock thing which obviously there are exceptions to every rule and Mm -hmm. uh propaganda was a big exception for me in that world huge exception
1: and i think Mm -hmm. that uh with the swing and utters example that just kind of casually came up it's like You lump it all in with a thing that doesn't seem like very um, mindful and conscientious. Mm -hmm. And then I think that there's bands like Propagandy, bands like the Lawrence Arms, uh, who have a record coming out on um, Friday. Mm, Yep. This week, Uh, y'all should listen to. And it's like, I've been noticing a lot lately the way the outside world looks at. A place like Fat Records, mm-hmm. and they don't see bands like The Lawrence Arms and Propagandy
0: or Against Me, um mm-hmm. who were also great. I mean, here's the thing: is like Fat and Epitaph. I mean, epitaph has done more of a like over the past ten to twelve years has done a bigger pivot. Where like in the mid two thousands, they were really kind of cashing in on like Warp Tour and whatever. Good on them. Mm-hmm. But then I think kind of came out of that, and like their roster is really cool um in the present day you know yep. you've got a propaganda and a lawrence arms and a mannequin pussy and like it, it, the list goes on like there's a lot of cool shit but to defend fat i will say like i think there have always like some of my favorite bands of that entire like kind of just like i guess what one one would just call like the punk world mm-hmm. um have been on that label like dillinger four Dead to me, I think is a great and super underrated band, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, there's always great stuff, but I think you know, it was easy for people to kind of throw jabs at like, I don't know, like, let's say like Pulley and the Mad Caddies. Right. Yeah, totally.
1: And I think that, um, I think that friggin' everybody should listen to, uh, unscripted moments because they're going to learn something. And they're going to learn something from two teachers who discuss a propagandy song. And if Propagandhi is a band that is a little bit outside of your wheelhouse, you're going to find out all of the reasons why you should be listening to a band like Propagandy
0: mm-hmm. right
1: now. It's the uh, perfect time yeah. to get into that shit. And I feel like there's there's a lot of you are doing a great job. You, David Anthony, mm-hmm. my friend, pointing out the fact that punk has been fucking political
0: Mm. the entire time yeah i mean that's the thing is i've you and i have talked about it privately and i think i've kind of dropped it in podcasts here and there but just like you know growing up i think i was always kind of told like you know i think that was stuff was always looked down on disdainfully like i'm not gonna like try and drive a wedge between like, Oh, mainstream music criticism and like, blah, 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 blah. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was just always the norm. It's like, Oh, if you liked punk, like some you're supposed to grow out of. And like the older I've gotten, the more I'm just like, no, like this stuff was actually saying something. And I think has more of an artistic bent than, um, people will from the outside view it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: to me, the older I've gotten, the more I've explored, more and more music you know it's just like when someone says like all punk bands sound the same or all hardcore bands sound the same or like you know as i've gotten more into metal all metal bands sound the same or even all ambient things are the same it's like no you just aren't listening to them mm-hmm. like you know it's like if you've had two salads in your life and they both came from mcdonald's they probably tasted the same but that does not mean all salads are alike um And I think that's just very true of music. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, I think there's a great place for all genres of music. I think music should be like a diet where it's very balanced. Uh Uh, You can have things you prefer and lean towards. But I think generally speaking, uh, you know, if I'm going to listen to uh, a metal record, it's cool to be able to have like a pop punk record or an indie record or a country record or a folk record or a rap record or an ambient record to kind of chase it with because it makes everything a little more impactful.
1: Mhm. And I think that we're um I think that we're starting to come into an understanding that we've had uh a couple decades now of uh conversations directed towards um people who listen to a type of music and mm-hmm. um a certain like white elitism that uh goes into a perspective that like one can't like both neutral milk hotel and propaganda and it's mm-hmm. like you know what fuck you
0: you can you <laughs> actually can i don't know if people know this like yesterday I, uh, you know, I've been I've been selling a lot of records over the past couple of weeks, um, and as a result, I've been like going through my stacks and pulling out stuff. And yesterday, it's like I listened to my favorite propaganda record that I listened to a Bo Hansen LP, who is like if you don't know him, he's a great I believe Swedish like experimental composer from the early seventies, very synth based and like mm. all instrumental, very mm. cool, very fun stuff, mm-hmm. and then. I put on the new Kralis-Girion split, Kralis, one of my favorite metal bands, and Girion being the band that two of the members are in, just drums, bass, and vocals, and I was like, oh, this is like a jazz record. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's heavy and yelling and discordant, but I was like, this is jazz. This is not metal. Um, and that stuff is so thrilling to me, because it's like, right now, I think those walls are really kind of, you can look to a band like Slow Mass or like Namdi, who like Namdi puts out Brat, and then puts out the black plate EP and then puts out Crazy Carl, which is literally like Looney Tunes music, and it's fucking awesome. Or slow mass who like is doing those seven inches where they're redoing their songs in all these different ways, kind of sounding like low. Mm-hmm. You know? It's uh music's exciting and it's a fun thing to talk about. I know. when it's done well. I know. Oh God, especially when it's just like
1: released and it's not put through this like Three month process of announcing the album and mm-hmm. singles. But David, Tim. we're here this week on As You Were a podcast about Alkaline Trio to talk about one Alkaline Trio song. Just we, one. We, we started, we started, we just started, started talking about the BYO split series of which this song is a part. And appearing mm-hmm. that, you know, we talked about the other ones, there was Rancid and, and No Effects. That makes perfect yep, sense. Anti Flag and Bouncing Souls. Awesome. Hot Water Music Leatherface. One Man Army and Alkaline Trio never really uh, made that much sense to me.
0: You know, I agree. And it's funny because I just um, shouted out Dead to me, who our mm-hmm. band I genuinely think is great, and Jack, who is in. on me tim yeah i'm not sure
1: that was me my internet has been doing that lately it's bothersome obviously
0: well uh, what i try to
1: do with my life
0: well that's the thing is i just i'll tell you this story off air Uh um but i realized today i was getting fucked by comcast um but thankfully rcn's now on my block so i'm gonna switch so fuck them anyway good to um, know do you want me to run that back a little bit
1: yeah if you wouldn't mind
0: yeah um so, yeah, I mean, like, it's funny, given what I was just saying about Dead to Me, who I love, when Jack, the one of the uh, songwriters, singer-guitar player in that band, was in both One Man Army and The Swing and Utters, really tying it all Whoa. together. Oh, But it's kind of funny, you know, because with a lot of those other ones, I was much more into both bands. Like, mm-hmm. Bouncing Souls, Anti-Flag, loved it. Like. Yeah um i really liked and one of the interesting things too is like i know on that one and i believe on the no effects rancid one they also had the bands covering each other's songs and that didn't carry through to here yeah Um,
1: rancid and no effects was a full six covers each and then mm -hmm. anti-flag and bouncing souls i know bouncing souls did that's youth and then i think anti-flag did uh the freaks the nerds and the romantics that's
0: right yeah mm-hmm. and the bouncing souls version of that's youth is awesome so and i will good. also say that punks in vegas the first bouncing soul song on that split is so fucking good yeah um definitely but anyway and the hot water leatherface one's great like that's a really good era for both bands i think leatherface is so fucking good And if you've never mm-hmm. heard them you should really dig into those records mm-hmm. but this is an odd pairing because like you know i don't think alkaline trio and one man army are miles apart but i definitely like i guess at that point in time who would you pair alkaline trio with is the question
1: i mean aside from like the obvious um like the lawrence arms or Mm -hmm. another chicago band um i guess there isn't really another Chicago band at that time that jumps out. Um, Yeah, it is. They are kind of um, in their own uh, space. But I think that, like, you know, genre-wise, there are plenty of, um, there's plenty of, like, cross-genre pairings that make sense. But I, I feel like One Man Army weren't in the same, just, like, they weren't playing the same places that alkaline trio
0: were playing if they were on tour yeah and i mean it's I a part of me wonders because i believe that in this exact case and i think this is true of maybe only the leatherface hot water one but leatherface's records were coming out on byo at that time uh-huh. and i think one man armies were too so i wonder how much it was like all right well we got hot water and we got alkaline trio we're not going to have them do a split because they've done one right let's pair them up with bands that are maybe on our label who we think there might be crossover um which is maybe the case i Um,
1: wonder too if there's like an aspect of what's kevin second's involvement in byo byo put out the seven seconds Records. Yeah, some
0: second stuff i don't think he was intimately involved because that was always the stern brothers from um youth brigade the california youth brigade not dc youth brigade uh-huh. um so i mean they were always the ones kind of at the helm of that and like byo is a weird label when you look back on their fucking roster like it's pretty all over the place from the jump uh-huh. um but yeah i mean it, it is an odd pairing i don't you know, I, part of me is like, maybe I should pull out that record and give that one man army side a try. Cause I've not in years and years and years, probably since I first heard it, uh-huh. yeah. but I remember not being impressed. Totally uh, me either. The
1: reason I bring up Kevin is like, you know, if there's a, an aspect of, um, you know, if that introduction is made there, if Matt is not necessarily doing it as a favor, mm-hmm. but it does seem no disrespect to One Man Army, but Alkaline Trio is a much higher name on the marquee than One Man Army. This is kind of what I'm yeah. getting at. Where when you look at all of the other bands that are on there, Bouncing Souls and Anti Flag, pretty much same level. No Effects and Rancid, same level.
0: Yeah, I mean even Hot Water and Leatherface. I mean Hot Water was getting bigger at that time, but like you know they they were not nearly as popular as they would get. Within a couple of years and then would break up. So, like, totally. You know, and I think that was more like, oh, fuck, they get, you know, loved Leatherface, covered Leatherface. Like, it just made kind of sense and, and toured together, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that all makes sense. You know, this is a weird one too, because it's just like, you know, the one man army stuff has never really caught me. And it's funny because, like, when I was saying, like, you know, the swing and unders kind of have that almost like stiff little fingers, like classic, like pub rock punk vibe. It's mm-hmm. kind of the vibe I always got off one man army too, but it's just never connected. Like it mm. never, it's a very, that sound has to be done so specifically for me to like it. And I know that about myself. And I think one man army is just not that band dead to me. Fucking great band. Yeah. Uh. And that's one too, where it's like, I think there's all that works off the duality. I think of the songwriters in that band and the energy they get. Mm-hmm. Um, stop talking about one man army and start talking about one alkaline trio hearing this split for the first time. I was like, Whoa, we are in a different fucking place, huh? And I think that's really what throws it off too. Like if, if these were five songs that were on good morning on this, I don't know if I would feel like that disparity was as high, but I think with the songs that are on this from alkaline trio, it feels pretty weird.
1: Yeah. I think it's a jarring miss this release is a jarring miss because it is in the heart of the to me the band's best
0: two or three years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what the, i mean is go ahead it feels like such a necessary evolutionary building block you know like
1: yeah it does it i think that one of the things that's always been strange to me about this um this song which i think speaks to this release is that it feels like lyrically it is a very
0: distant song yeah yeah i mean i think i think this song is one that And I've said this a lot uh, um, in various episodes, but there's certain songs that like, depending on my mood can where I'm at can really change my perception of it. Mm -hmm. And this is one that when I listen back to today, there are things I really like about it that I think I've always liked about it, but it's a weird song to me because it's like three minutes, 15 seconds. It almost feels like it could just be two minutes long because not a lot happens. Yeah but it also feels like it's kind of stuck in molasses in spots where it's just really taking a while to get where it wants to go. Um specifically the chorus, I think the chorus to the song is pretty weak except for like the last repetition of it when Dan and maybe Derek start harmonizing and they kind of bring it in a little more and and kind of make it a little more up tempo. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's an idea that they would really excel at. It, I mean, it's almost like they were—they kind of learned how to do that type of song on Good Morning and needed to figure out how to get it up the hill on the Crimson, and and Sadie obviously being the standout that is on this release and that would make it to Crimson, mm-hmm. but a lot of the other ones feel like they're trying to find that footing of like, how do we be a mid-tempo, moody rock band that's still kind of punk like it's they, they were in a weird space
1: yeah and it feels like the first time that i can remember for an alkaline trio release where everything else always feels so connected lyrically and musically it feels like the way that matt writes his songs is that he's got a guitar and he's writing the words mm-hmm. as he's figuring out how to put chords around them this to me seems like it, it is an example of a song that really could be the music was figured out and these lyrics were almost uses like a um like in place of
0: what could be the lyrics because they just don't go very far. No, I mean, I think the chorus lyrics are particularly uninteresting. There are <laughs> moments I like. I, I like the verses a lot because I really like how they feel. I think the verses yeah. of this song are really expertly done. You know, I think Derek's playing with that, like really kind of like the 16th on the hi-hat is very Cure-esque and I think is something that would be kind of readapted for like uh please don't say you won't or like you know like you know songs like that where they they go even more lush in that direction Mm -hmm. um and i think matt's vocal performance is pretty good and there are some lines i think are really clever like i think the opening is really interesting of like him having this realization of what he's been hearing being true but it doesn't really get beyond that um and the only line that I really love is the the big black reference because I'm like, that's such a specific thing to call out uh-huh. that is like, you know, him personifying hangovers and da-da-da-da that he's done for years. That's such a specific reference to make at a time when I don't think that is a reference that would be caught by a lot of people. Like when we think about bands he's been referencing, like it lands more like the U.S. Maple one than like the sideways kind of glances at like bouncing souls and hot water music
1: yeah totally you um i feel like big black eventually gets a um a renaissance um but i think at that particular time i don't think too many people were talking about big black and certainly nobody under the age of like 25 was unless they just like discovered it
0: yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is, like, I definitely checked out Big Black because of that. I, I had read about them in American Hardcore, mm-hmm. and it sounded like something I wouldn't like because of what I liked in Hardcore. Same
1: with Our Band Could Be Your Life.
0: It's like, it's like <laughs> man, uh, I don't know what to think about this this whole thing. And, like, now, you know, as a 30-year-old person, like, and I've... believe i you know i included atomizer on a patreon episode we did years ago now about like best chicago punk records because like i genuinely love it and i Mm -hmm. think Big black is awesome but it's a very specific thing like big black is not the type of band that i just kind of like put on casually like and if i'm not in the mood for it it's like the worst sounding thing in the world to me yeah um because it is so confrontational and bleak and intense um and, and deliberately provocative so Matt's reference to that in the midst of the song, I think fits so nicely. Um, it feels like he had a few good lines and then just kind of sketched them in, you know, like roughly shaded and was like, eh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like he's, he's trying to do something. He's trying to do something that's a little bit more pulled back. We do get in with those details. Um, but there is just a little bit of like, this song doesn't really have to be inspired by anything. And mm-hmm. not that everything should be inspired by a particular thing. And I think that Alkaline Trio is an in- interesting case where you see what they do with not being inspired by Real life events anymore. It's kind of the thing that those podcasts is centered around. But mm. but this is an example, I think, of not really having something specific to reference. Not you know not being steeped in it like a my friend Peter. Um, I, but I think like hearing that and not expecting anything other than what had been uh, released prior to this, especially the Hot Water Music split and go co- good morning when you hear a song that's just like i'll be fine without you um it was just i very very specifically remember hearing this for the first time and just being like what
0: is this song like what what is where is the uh where's the emotion well i think that's the thing is i and you know i hate to keep saying the same thing but i think that's why the chorus fails so fails as maybe too harsh a term but like i think his vocals in the verses recall the vibe i get off the hot water music split songs you know totally especially with the way those guitars hang but then it gets to the chorus and he's just kind of doing the throat shredding thing again Uh uh-huh arguably one of the last time he really does it too um in that way but it just doesn't feel like there's conviction. It feels like like he's trying to push it a little harder to sell it as opposed to naturally feeling it. And I kind of wish that the chorus, like, I don't even mind the music, but I think, you know, there almost needs to be more space in it Mm -hmm. because there's so much space in the verses that they then like really try to rein in and really try to rein in at the end. And it just feels like it's in between what they want to do um in a lot of ways and i think you know this is a release that like when even divorced from the release itself if you look at it on remains when you hit the split songs on remains that's where that (laughs) record just sags for me like there's moments in every song on it i like Mm -hmm. quite genuinely like i think there's a great moment in each one of those songs i think there's some great ideas but they don't fully congeal Mm-hmm. but you it comes after like 10 all time fucking like just like boom 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 uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then kind of gets brought out by like some weirder stuff you know? yeah which i think does these ideas a little better and a little more flushed out
1: totally i it's funny like i was listening to this song again getting prepared for it and i think one of the things that i realized is A confirmation of the way that I have really felt about this song since I first heard it. I never really had a, um, a come to moment with it. I think that I've like, I think that I was initially like very confused by it. Um, Mm -hmm. but then also appreciative of the elements that I like. Um, the fact that the verse is really great. Um, but the chorus is just empty. But one of the things that I, I think I enunciated internally for the first time was the fact that the pre-chorus of this song is the best part. And yeah. and what helped me get there was a conversation that Brennan and I had about the Goo Goo Dolls. And it was around, I think we were talking about apathy and exhaustion, where we were just talking about how, that was a band and I can't remember the Lawrence Arms song that we were talking about, but it was just like the
0: pre-chorus is fucking where it's
1: at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the yeah, chorus I mean, just I, doesn't deliver. It doesn't stick.
0: And I think that's the thing is I think the issue with this chorus is it feels like they're trying so hard to like really ramp it up when I think the the beauty of the song is the subtle dynamic shift from like mm-hmm. verse to pre-chorus. And then it's like, whoo! Um, and I think that kind of fails it because when you're writing a song that's all you you almost need to commit to going all incline with it or doing a harsh tonal shift and then sticking to that tonal shift. Cause when you kick back down, Mm. I like the verses, I like that pre-chorus again, but it just feels minor. You know, it just feels like we didn't figure out what this was trying to do. Um, And that's the difficult part. Uh, where like this is not a song that again, like I think there are days I might like it a hair more than I normally do, mm-hmm. but it's definitely like on a release that like I never revisit, you no. know, no, me either. Um,
1: yeah, I think that the it would be interesting to see them try and do something other than that big, I'll be fine with that because I think that that just like really sets the course. You can't do much with that. Like that template just doesn't leave much room. And I think that it's a I think that it's a pretty pretty easy place to go. Because when you think of choruses, you think of big things. But you know, I think that a a pair of lyrics that just have a ability, Mm -hmm. like serve this song way better.
0: Yeah. And I think to me, it's just like, I think not to belabor a point that has been brought up so many times on this podcast, but I, there are times I wish that like their cure influence wasn't so clearly focused on things like head on the door. Um, and that they could instead reach for like, we want to make this song like to wish impossible things, you know, where we're going to really make it languid and we're going to really make you sit in it and feel that, um, Cause that's not really how they ever express that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A play for today type of chorus would be pretty yeah. tight in here.
0: <laughs> and I say, this is someone who like, I think had a, I would say head on the doors, probably top five cure records for me. I think it's perfectly oh, sure, yeah. and masterfully done. And I think that does surface well on songs on crimson and some of the B sides that wind up on the back half of remains like near the tail end, I think are quite good. But, like, they really only try to do that with Buried, but that's a song that's a little too slight to carry that weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
1: I think that, yeah, it's tough when you rely on the on the cure, especially, yeah, after 1984, everything is just going to be naturally enormous.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do as a three-piece, right? Like, yeah. Like, you know, I think they were getting a lot of criticism in you know the good morning era for being a little more big having more guitar parts having Mm -hmm. some of the mellotron sound effect stuff um and i think they needed to do this so that they would just they then say fuck it and full-on embrace it on crimson to the benefit of that record yeah Um, and i think you know this is a release i don't love but i do think it does a thing that i think is very specific um that i kind of love as a music fan even if I don't love the material, but Mm -hmm. I'm reading um, uh, Daniel Ekeroth's book about Swedish death metal. And one of the things I love about metal in particular, especially in the early years um, for a lot of these bands is how demo prone they were. Like there was a demo and then another demo and then a record and then demo. And like they showed Mm -hmm. their work. You saw every piece of the evolution. You saw Mm -hmm. like how they got from A to B to C to D with every fucking thing in between totally. And you don't get that a lot in punk and hardcore. And I think mm-hmm. this is one of the rare examples with this band where you do get that, where it's like it's imperfect. Yeah. But like you get to see them actually fucking cash that check on the next record.
1: That's a really good point. And I think it um I think it it says something that uh my point about the lyrics feeling unfinished um probably hits that. Uh, as well, the idea mm-hmm. that this is um, this is something that is it's a work in progress um, but it's also like a band that's shifting mm-hmm. in progress and I think that you 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 see what feels like the the usage of a split of a of a less um high stakes release Mm -hmm. you see the band trying to do something new and and seeing where they're at and what this is going to like how much this is going to be critiqued Mm -hmm. so they're doing they're trying to set themselves up to make a pivot because yeah my guess my guess for that era too is that there's probably a good reason why a lot of the lyrics are drawn back a little bit
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think part of me wonders, you know, like, again, Sadie is on this release and then on that record. And I think, as we've discussed, is like the best of the files type shit. Oh, yeah. But even then, that song is basically the same mm-hmm. whole way through. And that song is so rich with detail, mm-hmm. you know, and then to have these ones that feel a little more minor. Part of me wonders how much they already kind of had in the tank. And we're like, well, these are the lesser ones these are the ones we maybe wrote first and Mm -hmm. we're just gonna you know yeah signal where we're going
1: yeah and i think that if you look at you look at a song like while you're waiting queen Mm -hmm. of pain continental um however consciously matt might be pulling himself out of uh that dark space Mm -hmm. and trying to write songs that are a little bit less intense. Um, I think that I can appreciate that from both the, you know, personal and an artistic standpoint. It's just like, you're either going to have to get darker or you're going to have to adapt. And I think that this release might be a form of adaptation that is, uh, you know, focused a little bit on just like, yeah, if I think about this shit anymore, um, it's just gonna weigh on me too much.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, what do you give it?
1: I give it a two and a half out of
0: five. I'm gonna give it a three.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'm. I'm. I'm good with two and a half.
0: Um, I was kind of between. Uh, my thought process became sadie notwithstanding if there's this original song from this record i would want to hear them play live this would maybe be the only one i'd be okay with like if i had to pick one i think this is the one i'd go with
1: yeah this is um i think that this carries a lot of weight of what is a pretty forgettable release Mm -hmm. being the first song on it yes Um, and and it also is representative a lot of, of a lot of those uh, flaws of this release, but it is a better song than everything other than Sadie in terms of just as a song. Yeah, 100%. So this is our podcast. It's, as we were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Um, his name Is swinging and my name is Utters, and we are two friends who love to talk about music and who are very inspired these days by others who are talking about music and looking at the state of music and saying, Yeah, we could uh, we could uh, flip a couple tables over here, they're already starting to lean. Um, but hey, uh, this is a band that inspired us and inspired our thinking and inspired our relationship with music as a whole and that goes into all facets of our lives and our understanding of the world and how it works and boy we have seen some uh bullshit lately Mm -hmm. and we're all doing our best to try and keep up and to uh to listen but Having this is a is a good place for us to just be like, "Hey, I miss being in a room with you, dude? yeah,
0: unfortunately, it'll be a while.
1: It will be a while, and uh it will probably be a longer while than uh we thought it was gonna be, but hey, while
0: right now, you're waiting, <laughs> you can listen to our podcast
1: oh, on the queen of pain right now, um, hey, um, we appreciate all you for. Coming and listening and checking in every week. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. We love our patrons over there, and that's why we are going to set the intention right now that they can pick the next like five songs that we talk about, because we haven't done a very good job of that. <laughs>
0: true. One. That uh, is true. So we're gonna throw a
1: couple polls up there for songs that we talk about before we run out of alkaline trio songs and then we become a swing and utters podcast.
0: I mean, it's just the way of the world.
1: I um, look forward to these every week, and it's nice to talk with you, David. And it's nice likewise. To think about uh, all you out there listening. We hope that they find you well, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Bubbles.